That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he belt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no downer. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brendan Mortensen alongside Matt Bonaparte for a special Tuesday edition of the bird's nest. Thanks for following along a day ahead of our normally scheduled programming. Bones, last night we saw a game seven between the Rangers and Astros. Uh, not an incredibly exciting game seven as the Rangers won approximately 15 to two. Are you in the camp of, of course, is, is the Orioles lost to the Rangers in the ALDS? I know you're going to ask. Are you in the camp of you would rather see the team that you lost to make it At least to the World to Series, the make it to the championship, right, in, the, in that sort of boat? Champ. Or would you rather see the Rangers get swept in the ALCS because think, they beat us and they stink? I think I'd rather know that the guys who beat us at least won the whole thing. They, yeah. they were at least the best team in the league. We didn't lose to a team that, that lost to another team. So uh, I'll take the Rangers winning the World Series. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I think I'm in the camp of at least they were the buzzsaw. Yeah. Like the 2014 Royals, when the Orioles had an excellent season there, you lost to Kansas City and you went, okay, I, they're they're the best team in baseball. Exactly. And it seems like the Rangers, I mean, we'll, we'll see who comes out of the National League. Got another game seven between the Diamondbacks and the Phillies, but... The Rangers look like a buzzsaw right now. They They're look really like a hard good. team to beat. They're a good team. Yeah. We know that just as well as anybody. Adolis so. Garcia, the first player in history. That's it. That's yeah, it. You ending that right there? That's it. I was waiting for a stat. Nope. All right. Just, just the first one. That's not one. true, actually. Just the first one. Incorrect. He's really good. Well, we had some gold glove finalists announced here for the Orioles. We're going to be talking about whether or not they could be taking home those awards. Three finalists announced... For the O's, they were announced last week just after our show ended because that's what always happens. The winners will be announced in a few weeks, Sunday, November 5th. Three finalists per traditional position. And then last year, they added in the utility position for players like Chris Taylor who play, you know, five, six different positions on the diamond, wanted a way to recognize those guys. So it is finalists for all nine positions plus a utility player. The voting is 75% managers and up to six coaches from each team that vote for a pool of players in their league, excluding their own own team. That makes up three quarters of the vote. And then it's a quarter the Sabre Defensive Index, which we can talk about a little bit. The Sabre Defensive Index just says that it combines defensive stats derived from batted ball location and play-by-play accounts, and it includes you know metrics from... Statcast and stat solutions, a bunch of different places. Going to talk about it when we talk about Gunnar Henderson potentially getting snubbed here, but kind of odd that it makes up 25% of the vote and we're not entirely sure what goes into it. It feels like war a little bit. Like War is kind of the uniform way to measure players at this point and compare players in baseball it's used in a lot of awards voting I know personally it's it's one of the biggest ways in which I evaluate a player and the calculations for it are a little bit all over the place but to have something like the Sabre defensive index that 
literally makes up 25% of the vote. You can discuss how much of, you know, MVP voting has to do with war, whatever. We know that 25% of what goes into gold glove voting is this Sabre defensive index, and I don't really know what it is. It's just some conglomeration of stuff. That's a lot of baseball advanced stats. It's a conglomeration of stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean... When you get to defensive metrics, I feel like it gets a lot more muddy than player value stuff. Uh, it's just sometimes harder to understand. There are a lot of stats that do similar things, like range factor, um, part from uh, fielding Bible. There are so many different statistics to uh, evaluate a defender, but I don't know if that any of them are you know perfect. Yeah. Um, so when you look at the Sabre defensive uh, index. I feel like they're trying to combine a few of them and and just give a player an overall grade on how they are. Um, but like you said, like it's a little muddy and it doesn't make total sense to somebody who maybe doesn't work for Saber. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a little confusing, but that's defensive metrics for you. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have some qualms with it in a minute, and you'll see why. Let, let's start with Gunnar Henderson because when these finalists were announced. There were a lot of Orioles fans surprised, and I think rightfully so, that Gunnar Henderson was not named a finalist at any position for the Gold Glove. I think if you watched a majority of Orioles games this year, or even if you just kind of were out somewhere and saw an Orioles game on TV, you saw probably saw Gunnar Henderson make an incredible defensive play. He seemed to do it day in and day out. And I think the eye test would tell you that Gunnar Henderson was one of the best defenders on this team, and it seemed like he was one of the better defenders in the American League when you saw the other team on the field as well. Henderson this year gets 84 games at third base, 83 games in short at shortstop, and he has the seventh best defensive war in the American League, according to baseball reference. When you were looking at the gold glove categories themselves, Gunnar Henderson was up for two potential positions that he could have gotten. First one being third base, because among the two positions that he played, third base and shortstop, he logged the most innings at third, so he would have been eligible for the third baseman gold glove, not the shortstop, and the utility position is the other position that Henderson could have been up for. At third base, your finalists were Alex Bregman, Matt Chapman, and Jose Ramirez, and then at utility, you had Mauricio Dubon, Zach McKinstry, and Taylor Walls. Henderson had 10 defensive runs saved this season, which was behind only Matt Chapman in the third baseman category, not behind anybody in the utility category. Defensive runs saved, maybe not the best metric to look at, but it's a pretty commonly used one from fan graphs. Yeah. Um, in terms of the... I mean, he was a fantastic defender. I don't think you need either you or me to tell you that. Um, he, he was really, really good. And, and like you said, he doesn't only pass the eye test. He also had the numbers... Um, but, you know, we watched this guy every day, and he was elite at the hot corner. He was fantastic at shortstop. The thing that comes to my mind when discussing the utility category itself uh, specifically is it's a new thing, and we don't necessarily know how coaches are going to vote on it. When you ask a coach who's a utility guy, how many of them are going to say Gunnar Henderson, a guy? Yeah, he's he's not a utility player. He's a left side of the infield player. That's why I think 
he probably got snubbed from that category because when you look at the other guys that did get nominated, it's Mauricio Dubon played seven positions, Zach McKinstry played six, and Taylor Walls played the entire infield aside from first and catcher. So those guys are true utility guys. Yeah. Um, and obviously it takes nothing away from Gunner's defensive season. It's just he wasn't a true utility player, though we heard all year about how he might be considered for the utility gold glove because, like you said, he logged the exact same amount of time, almost 10 innings apart from shortstop and third and was a lead at both. Right. I do want to talk about Taylor Walls a little bit, though. As you mentioned, he played three positions and not trying to single out one guy here, but when you're looking at outs above average, Gunner was in the 57th percentile, according to StatCasts. We talked with Sigma Dell during the season, kind of said that he thought outs above average was a better way to measure a defender than defensive run saved because defensive run saved doesn't really take into account, you know, where a player is starting, their positioning, their speed, stuff like that. So defensive run saved has its flaws, but outs above average seems to be a pretty universally agreed upon good metric. So Gunnar Henderson was behind all three third base nominees in Bregman, Chapman, and Ramirez, and he was behind two of the utility player nominees as well, except for Taylor Walls, who was in the seventh percentile in the outs above average. That's not good. It, very bad. Yeah. So Henderson, as I mentioned, was ahead of everybody in the utility category, including Taylor Walls, and was way ahead of Taylor Walls as well in outs above average, which brings me to the qualm that I have with that Sabre defensive index. I don't know what negative 1.6 means, for Gunnar Henderson's number, but that is his Sabre defensive index. It was lower than Ramona Rios, who, again, if you watched Orioles games all season, Ramona Rios won a gold glove in 2022, took a bit of a step back defensively in 2023, wasn't playing as consistently, and, you know, maybe it just threw off his rhythm. He was dealing with some injuries here and there, but Gunnar Henderson, I think most Orioles fans would say, looked better at third base than Ramona Rios did a lot of the time. Whatever the case may be, Gunnar Henderson is at a, at a negative 1.6 on the Sabre defensive index. Taylor Walls was at a positive one. So despite Gunnar Henderson being way ahead of Walls in both defensive runs saved and outs above average, Taylor Walls is at a positive one and Gunnar Henderson is at a negative 1.6 according to the Sabre defensive index, which makes up 25% of the vote. You're up in arms. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> Here's I mean, my question. How much, I don't know, This I, I cannot explain the Sabre defensive. No, I, that, I that, that's all I'm looking but for. I would like to, to pose this question, and I'm not taking away anybody's success this season on the defensive side of the right. ball. I'm not trying to pick on Taylor Walls. This is just, yeah. I don't get the stat. How much do you think defensive reputation comes into this? Because... Taylor Walls, for example, is known as a defense-first guy. He's a glove guy. Yeah. He's not a guy you put in the lineup because you want his bat in the lineup. You put him on the field because you know he's going to play a solid shortstop, third base, second base, wherever he's at. So I And, and that comes to Ramon Urias as well, who is not a bad defender by any means. But just like you said, I think all Baltimore fans would agree that Gunner just had the better year yeah. defensively. Uh, but like you said as well, Urias won that gold glove, so that's in people's minds. How much do you think that reputation might play into this because I feel like it might play a bigger role than we think. I mean, it's it's a good bit. I, we talked about it, at least I talked about it last year when 
Jorge Mateo was not nominated for a gold glove at shortstop despite having some of the better defensive metrics in baseball. He was behind a guy like Carlos Correa, who, again, Correa throughout his career has been known as an elite defender at shortstop. This year, kind of the same thing at shortstop. Gunnar Henderson, again, wasn't eligible to be named a finalist at shortstop because he played more innings at third, and that's the, the position he would have been nominated for. But... This season, at the shortstop position, you had Gunnar Henderson's 10 defensive runs saved. It was third best among AL shortstops. Anthony Volpe, who was one of the shortstop nominees, was ahead of him at second. Corey Seager, another one, was sixth. And Carlos Correa was 65th among AL shortstops in defensive runs saved, which, again, is not a perfect metric. Correa was ahead of Gunnar Henderson in outs above average. But it's... I don't know. Correa, for the last like two years or so, has not been the same sort of defender, but keeps getting the recognition. Same conversation goes for Nolan Arenado, who for the first time this year is yep. not a finalist after 10 straight years of winning the Gold Glove. Last year, there was controversy over that pick between him and Cabrian Hayes, because Cabrian Hayes was the, the golden boy in terms of all the defensive metrics, but... The reputation carried Arenado through and got him that 10th gold glove. So when you're talking about something like defense that opposed to offense doesn't have stats like home runs and average to uh, really evaluate players just from a a bare bones uh, point of view, I think reputation plays a huge role. Yeah. Reputation and the statistic that I don't understand accounting for (laughs) 25% of the vote. Taylor Walls was 7th in outs above. I can't get over that. 7th percentile. In outs above average and is like two points higher Maybe. on this index. Gunnar Henderson, again, was 10th in defensive run saved. Zach McKinstry was 139th and was at positive 2.6 on the defensive run index, according to Sabre, while Gunnar Henderson was at negative 1.6. I'm not Maybe. saying it's wrong. I just need an explanation for it. Maybe it takes a year for you to like gain some... Some recognition. Like, oh, yeah, he was good last year. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I just don't get it. I, I tend to think that I am pretty tuned in when it comes into advanced stats and analytics and being able to to look at, you know, stat cast and fan graphs and, and dissect a bunch Sabre of things. I don't get it. And why does it make up 25% of the vote? I wish I could give you the answer. Tell me, Bones. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. Well, anyway, we do have three finalists yeah. to talk about, despite Gunnar Henderson maybe getting snubbed. I, I do think it was close. I think he probably would have been, I think you know, he been maybe finalist. the third nominee for utility or maybe third nominee for third base. He'll be there eventually. He's an elite defender at third base or shortstop, and he will be recognized. Orioles fans recognize Gunnar Henderson for the quality of defender that he is. Let's talk about the finalists that the Orioles do have, because they have three of them for the first time since 2014, which is very exciting stuff. We'll start with catcher. The finalists are Jonah Heim, Shakes Fist, because Jonah Heim and Adley Rutschman are, are just going head-to-head on every award here. Yeah, yeah, we've made them rivals. <laughs> Jonah Heim, Alejandro Kirk, and Adley Rutschman are the finalists at the catcher position for the gold glove. Alejandro Kirk first in the Sabre Defensive Index. Heim was second. Adley was seventh. Alejandro Kirk, also a ridiculous 17 defensive runs saved this year, according to fan graphs. Heim with six and Adley with two. Jonah Heim and Alejandro Kirk are, are really good defenders. They are very good at specific things. 
Adley Rutschman is kind of good at everything. Yes, Kirk, nothing gets by that guy. 99th percentile in blocking. Um, I mean, he, they call him the meatball for a reason, okay? Nothing gets by that guy. We no. love him. Um, and then Heim. 99th percentile in blocking, yeah. according to StatCast. Heim, 97th in framing. Yep. He's pretty darn good at that. Now, the thing I don't understand about his MLB Savant page is... Yeah, let's let's get further into how we don't understand <laughs> analytics. <laughs> his, But there's the thing. His arm strength is not rated well. I no. believe it's 45th percentile. It is. But it's like the, the stat that is like uh, value in holding runners at first base. He's fantastic at it. He'll backpick you. Like guy, that's what, so that's what I was thinking is that's the only thing that could be playing into it. Yeah. Or it's that guys just don't want to run on the guy. No. And maybe his arm value is rated so low because he didn't get so many chances to utilize it. But I don't have stats to back that up, so I can't really make that claim. <laughs> um, but here's a take that I have. Couldn't tell uh, you yeah, about just it. Put it out there. Yeah. Just think about it. Um, but Heim, what I can say is he's an elite framer. Yeah, guy steals strikes like nobody's freaking business. Yeah. Um, so and, and nowadays, I'd say in the last I don't know six seven years, that's become huge. Yeah. You know the names that we used to see there were like Russell Martin, Martin Maldonado, Jose Trevino. Those guys were the the framers who were stealing strikes. And before it was a really Pitch big framers. thing. We don't know their, about their ability to frame you for crimes. Or pictures. Or pictures. I don't know if they're good at that either. Yeah, I don't know. But my they brain can get a strike that's a ball and frame. put it right into the strike zone. Yeah. Um, so Alejandro Kirk, not as good as Jonah Heim when it comes to pitch framing, but nothing gets by Alejandro Kirk. So they're both elite yeah. when it comes to those two things, which Adley Rutschman is not as elite as them, but he's well-rounded. He is. <laughs> I liked the visual yeah. aid yeah. there as well. This is why you need to follow along with us live on YouTube and Facebook to get this video and not just on Spotify because you wouldn't have seen Bones give a perfectly well-rounded hand well-rounded. gesture so that we understood that Adley Rutschman was, in fact, well-rounded. But as you mentioned, Jonah Heim, just in the 45th percentile in blocking despite being in the 97th percentile in framing, so really good at one thing. Alejandro Kirk, as you mentioned again, 99th percentile in blocking. He is in the 79th percentile in pitch framing is still pretty good still good not as good throwing you out though just in the 37th percentile in caught stealings and the 36th percentile in pop time so he's gonna call a good game he's gonna block everything under the sun but he might not throw you out Adley Rutschman on the other hand is in the 85th percentile in blocking so second among that group behind Alejandro Kirk 65th percentile in caught stealing which is again second among that group behind Jonah Heim 84th percentile in framing, second among that group. And he is in the 81st percentile in pop time, which is the best among that group. We know Adley Rutschman is a very athletic catcher. So when you are looking at the overall defensive metrics, the defensive runs saved, you know, the defensive value, whatever it may be, I think the, the more broad numbers are probably going to tell you Alejandro Kirk. Or if you're looking just at somebody who can frame every pitch, you're going to be looking at Jonah Heim. But if you're Asking me which defender I'd probably rather have, I'd probably rather have Adley Rutschman because he's very good at everything. He's a very good framer. He's very good at throwing runners out. And he's very good at blocking. And while Jonah Heim can frame everything and Alejandro Kirk can block everything, like it's, it's really, really good here 
not so good here. Whereas Adley Rutschman, he'll give you everything. He's pretty good everywhere. So he might not win the award because the metrics tend to favor those other two guys. But I think if I'm picking a catcher that I'd rather have, it's probably Adley Rutschman. Now, here's the other thing I want to bring up. And I know that this isn't going to count towards the actual vote in the end. Yeah. But when you think of what a manager is going to choose and how these guys got nominated, all we hear about all the time is about how good Adley is at managing the pitching staff. Sure. And if you're thinking about which catcher you want behind the back or behind home plate, I think a lot of guys are picking Adley largely because of that fact. Yep. I mean, he has an incredible relationship with anybody that takes them out for the Orioles, uh, and one that I think a lot of managers around the league would like to claim that their catcher has with their pitching staff. So again, while that won't count, I think that that might have been something that helped get him into that finalist round because when you look at the metrics and everything, he is not third. No. He's not fourth. He's seventh, Yeah, I believe, in, in some of those things. Yeah, and, and to that point, I have griped enough about the Sabre defensive index here for you to probably remember that it accounts for 25% of the vote, and Adley is seventh yeah. among American League catchers in that metric, which means that for a quarter of that vote, Adley Rutschman has a real uphill battle, which means that for the 75% of the vote, the vote that is managers and coaches, they know ball. Yes. And they the they eye test ball. tells you that Adley Rutschman deserves to be a Gold Glove finalist for the things that you mentioned. Maybe it's not the defensive metrics specifically, but it's how does he call a game? How does he interact with pitchers? Is all of his skill coming together and combining to be a really good defensive catcher, even if one of his stats doesn't jump off the page? Adley Rutschman had an uphill battle to get into this finalist group because of the fact that he was in seventh in that metric. So the managers and coaches got him there because exactly. of what they are seeing day in and day out. Yep, uh, I totally agree. And obviously something that doesn't need to be said, it's obvious, but how encouraging is it that he's here right now? Yeah, absolutely. Just in his first full season. Yeah, um, and his metrics were better in his rookie year. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's crazy. His metrics were better than they were this season, but... Again, you know, well-rounded this year, and I'm sure, you know, his relationship with pitchers got better after, you know, a full spring training. Like, things developed this sure. year, even if the metrics weren't as good as they were a season ago. I think that of all the guys nominated, Adley probably has the best shot at winning the thing. Um, out of all the, all the Orioles yes, nominated. Yes, out of all the Orioles yeah. nominated um, for Gold Glove. I think Adley has the best shot. I don't know if he will because, like you said, with the sabermetrics and whatnot, he's seventh compared to the other guys higher on the list, 25%. You've heard the whole thing, yada, yada, yada. But he is a really, really well-rounded catcher, and he does have a shot. He does. I think this is probably Alejandro Kirk's award, but Adley Rutschman, again, we have talked about it, most well-rounded out of that group. And I think if I'm picking a catcher to have defensively out of these three, I probably pick Adley Rutschman. Let's move on to first base where we have another Orioles nominee in Ryan Mountcastle. He joins Anthony Rizzo and Nathaniel Lowe as the nominees there. Rizzo first in Sabre, Lowe second and Mountcastle fourth. So he wasn't third, which again indicates that the coaches were able to vote him in based on what they saw just day in and day out. Rizzo and Lowe both had three defensive runs saved. Mountcastle had two. 
outs above average wise, Rizzo was in the 91st percentile, Lowe was in the 82nd percentile, and Mountcastle in the 40th. I, I think this is probably Anthony this Rizzo's is Rizzo, man. award. I mean, I, I don't see it not I mean, Anthony him. Rizzo has four gold <clears throat> gloves. One of them was a platinum glove. He, he leads in pretty much every category in terms of defensive metrics. Rizzo has the reputation. It is, unfortunately, Anthony Rizzo. But, again, as encouraging as it is to see Adley Rutschman there as a finalist at the catcher spot... I think it's more encouraging to see Ryan Mountcastle. Mostly because I don't think anybody expected it. No. that was I was pretty surprised to see his name on there. So, I mean, like you said, Adley was really cool to see. But Mountcastle, for a guy who is probably not known for his defense at all, came up as a shortstop, moved yep. around positions, ended up at first base, and plays a really darn good first base. Yeah. And that's what I kind of mean when I say that I think this nomination means a little bit more in terms of the progression of Ryan Mountcastle than it does for Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman getting nominated is really cool, but at the same time, he got drafted out of Oregon State and everyone was like, Buster Posey. <laughs> so it's not <laughs> shocking That's that Adley true. Rutschman is a gold glove finalist, given the pedigree. That was good. But for Ryan Mountcastle, as you mentioned, came up as a shortstop the Orioles tried him out at third base for a while in the minor leagues. He got promoted to the big leagues in 2020 and was a left fielder. And he was not a good left fielder. It, it was a little bit of a disaster for Ryan Mountcastle in the outfield. Goes to first base, and now he is a very reliable, very athletic first baseman. I think I do think that's what separates him a little bit from Rizzo and Lowe. Ryan Mountcastle is a really, really athletic dude to that's have what at I wrote first as well. base. And it, it shows up. I think that's probably why he got a lot of, you know, the coaches' votes here because, again, he was not in third in this Sabre defensive index. But I think the coaches see the plays he makes day in and day out where he has a ton of range at first base. He's able to catch a lot of foul balls. He's It's just small things. He beats guys in a race to first base. He moves a lot better than most first base. Exactly. And it's the small stuff like that that shows up when you watch Ryan Mountcastle day in and day out that might not show up in as many metrics. Yeah, and I wonder how many uh, or how much credit he's given for corralling a lot of the throws that are thrown at him from erratic angles and whatnot. When Gunnar Henderson's throwing the ball at you, you don't know what ball he's going to get to. And yeah. a lot of the time when he's throwing the ball on the run, you've got to make a play on it. Or Mateo, same thing. Yeah, so... Uh, I wonder how much credit Mountcastle gets for making a lot of those plays as well. Good scoops. Yeah, a lot of good scoops. Good scoops. So, Ryan Mountcastle, more than likely, not going to win this award at first base because Anthony Rizzo is unfortunately Exists. in the American League now. But still really cool for Ryan Mountcastle to be nominated there. Let's go on to our final nominee, and that is Austin Hayes in left field. How about it? How about you? Austin Hayes. We've got Austin Hayes joining Stephen Kwan and Dalton Varsho. Kwan led by a mile in this Sabre defensive index. He's got like 10. Austin Hayes was in second on that index, and Dalton Varsho was in third. Stephen Kwan also had 16 defensive runs saved. Varsho with 11 and Hayes with sixth. Kwan in the 95th percentile for outs above average. Varsho 97th and Hayes in the 47th percentile there. So another case of the advanced stats kind of leaning towards the other two in this category rather than the Oriole. This one is incredibly interesting to me. Yeah. Because you've got Quan who 
by Saber was the second rated defensive player in the American League. Yep. He was the second best player in the American League. Really good. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, and his defensive runs saved are through the roof. Uh, and, and all the metrics kind of favor him, whatever. And then when you look at Dalton Varsho, you got to remember this is a catcher playing left field. His arm strength is percentile, I believe, is 90th. So he's 90th percentile in arm value and 40th value. percentile in arm strength. Sorry, arm value, yes. Uh, I, now, arm what? value, I have to imagine, means how many times he actually makes the play. Yeah. Um, like, are you making the right decisions yeah. in which base to throw to? Exactly. Stuff like that. Um, but, again, he's a catcher playing left field, so you knew that the arm was going to be there, yeah. even though the arm strength isn't rated as highly. Um, but he also has incredible range. 97th percentile in range for Dar for Dalton Varsho. He's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, you have both those guys who seem like they're so high and mighty uh, in terms of their defensive metrics. But then let's look at Austin Hayes. This guy's playing center field yep. in left field. Yes. It's the only place in baseball in which he has to play center field in left field because of the wall that's 20 feet farther behind him than it used to be. Uh, so I wonder if they take that into consideration and the fact that he's playing a much more difficult position in Baltimore than anywhere else. Yeah, they absolutely should. I mean, Austin Hayes is in the 47th percentile and outs above average, which seems crazy yeah. because there have been multiple Austin Hayes catches this year where he's just not on screen, and then there he is. That's, so he that's what I was going to say catch. as well. Yeah. He's got the big play going for him. Yeah. I, I don't think there are many guys who had more flashy plays than Austin Hayes this year. No, and Austin Hayes also has a bazooka. He's yeah, in the 91st arm. percentile in arm value, 83rd percentile in arm strength. How many times have you seen Austin Hayes cut down a runner at second base who's trying to stretch a single into a double, and then Austin Hayes just doesn't? I mean, not how many times you have you seen a runner not tag from third base on a relatively deep fly ball hit to left field because Austin Hayes is there. It's Austin Hayes has been an incredible defender all season long. Again, the defensive metrics are probably going to point to Stephen Kwan winning this award, but Stephen Kwan and Dalton Varsho do not have to play at Camden Yards for 81 games a year. And Austin Hayes, as you mentioned, is a center fielder. He is playing left field because Cedric Mullins is also an elite defensive center fielder. Yes. And you just needed another one in left field. I look at how the Orioles treat left field defensively. I can't remember the last time. I, I think Heston Kerstad might have done it a time or two. But very seldom do the Orioles put a traditional corner outfielder in left field when they are home. I think Heston Kerstad is really the only player who has done it. But other than that, you're looking at Aaron Hicks. You're looking at Austin Hayes. You're looking at Ryan McKenna. Colton Kowser could play some left field as well. Those four guys are going to patrol left field, uh, did patrol left field this season, excuse me, because it is center. Yes. As you mentioned. Stephen Kwan and Dalton Varsho don't have to deal with that. No. Um, and I wonder, because obviously just through that, in that conversation, it's it's evident that he adds more value in left field to the Orioles than either of those guys do to their team. Just Absolutely. from the, just from the fact that he's playing center field, it's a way more difficult position to play when you have an extra twenty feet behind you that you didn't have to worry about before. Um, so again, I, I wonder if that gets considered, uh, but it, it definitely should. And if it does, I think this is a lot closer than the numbers suggest. Yeah, Austin Hayes, as you mentioned, I think that's a great point. Austin Hayes is more valuable 
in left field to the Baltimore Orioles than Stephen Kwan is to the Guardians and Dalton yeah. Varsho is to the Blue Jays. I don't, I don't care what the numbers say. He just is. Mm-hmm. Because those two guys do not have to contend with what Austin Hayes has to contend with. I think Stephen Kwan probably still brings home this award at the end of the day. But Austin Hayes, we know the kind of value that he brings to the Orioles. He is like the Orioles gold glover. And I'm glad he got recognition. Yeah. Because he he did play fantastic defense this year, um, and, and he deserves it. So, Bones, are you predicting that the Orioles bring home any of these gold gloves? I think the best chance they have is Adley. Um, yeah. But I don't think he wins it. So probably not, but maybe. Maybe one. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think Adley probably has the best chance because his advanced numbers are the most well-rounded out of the group that he is in. But Alejandro Kirk, I mean, the, the numbers are ridiculous. I, I think it's probably Kirk, Rizzo, Juan at these three spots. Yeah, I agree. I don't think... Yeah, I mean, I mean, just from due to the fact that we know that Sabre plays a huge um, a 25%, as we've mentioned a billion times. Yeah, um, I'm going to keep mentioning it until somebody <laughs> explains it. I think you're right. It's probably going to be Quan, Kirk, Rizzo. Yeah. I think uh, there was a maybe a discussion here about Cedric Mullins maybe getting a nod in center field. Mullins was injured a lot of the season. That's what I was going to say. Doesn't have the arm strength either. And as much as I love Cedric Mullins and, and he is incredible in center field, his outs above average is in the 91st percentile this year, but his arm value is in the 17th. You, that's always the case with Cedric Mullins. He's going to get to every ball in center. He just probably isn't going to throw a ton of guys out at home. His arm strength has gotten better, too. His arm strength is in the 54th percentile in baseball, which is an improvement over what it has been over the past few seasons. But, you know, you know what Cedric Mullins is. He's going to get to every ball. He's just not going to throw everybody out. Yeah. Uh, Here's something I want to spring on you. Oh, boy. Um, They started Team Gold Glove last year. Do you think that the O's have a shot at that? I do. I think so, too. Three finalists? I do think. Makes me feel pretty good. I feel like there isn't a huge defensive hole anywhere on this team. No. Um, I don't think there is one. I mean, Anthony Santander in right field probably isn't your best defender, but his metrics were still pretty solid this year, surprisingly. I think statistically, Adam Frazier had the most difficult year um, defensively. I think his outs above average was like negative 15 or something. Yeah, not, not good. No. But... A guy who passes the eye test for me. I yeah, mean, he for, made plenty of diving plays, and he made plenty of plays. But he also made a few plays that you were just like, huh? Yeah. What are we, what um, are we doing? Jordan Westbrook was good at that position, too, though. Yes, that's what I was going to say, is a platoon there probably helps. Um, but I, I, I think that they, had, they do have a decent shot. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I don't know the best defensive teams in baseball, but if I had to guess, I, I'd tell you the Orioles are up there. Also, I bet you 101 wins helps out. Right. In that conversation. Because you also have two guys who weren't finalists in Cedric Mullins and Gunnar Henderson that I think probably have a reputation around the league at this point for bre- being pretty elite defenders. Yes. So it, that helps. That helps a lot. I, I think the Orioles could certainly be in the discussion for that. Coming up next week, we've got, we've got a lot of off-season shows planned. I think next week, Bones, we're going to do a little bit of a minor league recap. Let's go. We've got... I'm pumped. 101 wins in the big leagues, and this show has not spent nearly enough time because we just kind of couldn't 
but we haven't spent nearly enough time on the amount of success that there was on the farm this year. You had the Norfolk Tides that were minor league baseball's team of the year. They won the MILB award for that. You had the player of the year in minor league baseball in Jackson Holiday. That team included Holiday, Colton Gowser, who is a top 15 prospect, Heston Kerstad, and Kobe Mayo, who are both top 30 prospects in baseball, and Joey Ortiz, who is a top 50 prospect in baseball, all of which had fabulous years. And my boy Sam Basayo. Sam Basayo, double A. Got Samuel Basayo, Dylan Beavers. Had a really good year. You know who we got to talk about, too, in double A. Billy Cook. Billy Cook, My baby. guy, dude. I love Billy Cook. 2020 season. First time in Bowie history. For the Bowie Bay Sox. Cool stuff from Billy Cook. And then in single A, Delmarva as well, getting up to high A Aberdeen. Yet Enrique Bradfield Jr., Matt Corfath. Your first and second round picks from the 2023 draft. Don't forget about these guys. I did not forget. How could you they're, forget? They're revolving in my mind every day. Just like Mike Elias, who was yeah. asked, how do you, how often do you think about prospects and where they will play and who's blocking them? And Mike Elias said, only every day of my life. Coincidentally, I would have said the same thing. Yeah, that's what we think about. That That's what we bring you here on the Bird's Nest. So next week, we're going to have our minor league recap telling you about all the players that had wonderful seasons down on the farm, maybe some guys that we could see cracking the big league roster. Michael Elias said there was a chance Jackson Holiday could be on the Don't opening day roster up. in 2024. Don't get me revved up. Getting riled up over there, Bones. Got a lot of fun players to talk about next week, so make sure you tune in to the Bird's Nest. We're usually every Wednesday at 11 a.m. We moved it around a little bit this week. If you followed along with us live on Facebook or YouTube a day early here, thanks so much for tuning in. You got to make sure you're tuning in live next week. But if you didn't, make sure you find the Bird's Nest on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you find your podcasts or your digital shows you can find the bird's nest. Big thank you to Amy Jennings behind the scenes for producing this one. For Matt Bonaparte, I'm Brendan Mortensen. We'll catch you next time.